This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. And it is FSU week, and this is the official FSU preview podcast for Through the Smoke. Before we jump into this game and and recruiting nuggets, all that good stuff, uh, we are recording this podcast on Veterans Day. And so wanted to uh, thank all the veterans out there that perhaps listen to this podcast, we appreciate you for making the unselfish decision to serve our country. Um, we cannot thank you enough as a country. And uh, once again, thank you. So let's, uh, let's jump into some recruiting nuggets. Gabby, you've been peppering the site with updates throughout the week. Um, I think one of the more interesting updates that, that you provided on the website, um, Chris Graves, Miami's cornerback commit, I would argue probably Miami's most important defensive commit in this class, uh, plans on being in Tallahassee for the FSU game. So what do we need to know about that? Should we panic? Should we freak out? Or is it all good? Yeah, I, I think it's all good. Um, you know, he's not going to Tallahassee as a Florida State recruit. He's not going to be sitting in the recruiting section with, you know, a bunch of those guys that are sort of planning on attending those games. Uh, you know, I believe his mom got him tickets on his own so that him and a couple of his buddies can just go enjoy the action and stuff like that. So again, uh, you know, he has said in the past that he plans on visiting schools. I, I don't view this as him visiting Florida State. I think this is more of him just wanting to watch, you know, maybe his, hopefully his future team sort of play in this sort of big atmosphere in Tallahassee. And I think that that was something that was just interesting to him or just something he wanted to do. So, um, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a positive for Miami that, uh, again, he's not going to go just sort of get the, the lip service from, uh, you know, the Florida state, you know, coaching and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, just going to be able to just sort of go enjoy the game and sort of just be on the Miami side of everything rather than, you know, getting all that other attention and stuff that he gets from, you know, potentially sitting in a recruiting section. So he's just going to attend the game as a pretty much as a fan, which is different when you hear uh, of recruits sort of visiting, you sort of assume they're going to go through like the whole process and stuff like that. So uh, it's pretty encouraging to me that, you know, that's not the case with Chris Graves in this one. Would you agree that he is Miami's most important defensive commit to keep locked in the class? I mean, yeah, like, I mean, we've been pretty high on him, uh, basically from the jump. I mean, we always sort of had a feeling that his ceiling was being one of the top, one of the most, you know, highly regarded cornerbacks in the class. Uh, you know, I, I think that he is a special talent given his age, given his, you know, verified speed, uh, just what he's done as a senior has been extremely impressive. 
you know, I, I think he tweeted out that he's allowed one catch all year. Again, I'm not sure he's playing the, the stiffest of competition over in Fort Myers, but that's still that's still pretty impressive. And he's getting it done on the offensive side, too. So uh, you're encouraged about the ball skills, sort of the aggressiveness that he plays with the chip on his shoulder that he sort of brings in every Friday night. So, um, yeah, I would argue that he's probably Miami's top defensive commit and probably the most important as of right now. And maybe the the top remaining target that is attainable for Miami, if we're being realistic, is uh, Miami Central linebacker Wesley Besaint. I know we, it feels like we talk about him every podcast, right? Because he's one of the few top targets, maybe the only real top target in terms of a guy they've been chasing for a year now. It feels you know more than that, but uh, in terms of when this cycle. Uh, became the focal point. Um, still feel good about Wesley, even though he, he of course, is going to go up to Florida State and see everything that uh, surrounds an FSU game day this weekend. Yeah, I'm still feeling pretty good, man. Um, you know, he ha- he's been to four Miami games this year. Uh, you know, just uh, he, the most recently, he was at that Georgia Tech game and he spent time again on campus. I think I said it last podcast. He spent time on campus um, earlier that week. So, again, that's pretty encouraging with the decision coming up. The plan was always to get up to Tallahassee for this Miami Florida State game for him. Uh, again, Florida State's obviously a school that he's he's highly considering as well. But, you know, I, I feel pretty good about where Miami stands right now. I think, again, this is a great opportunity for Miami to go into Tallahassee uh, sort of walk away with a win and again, just make another impression on him and, uh, you know, just sort of show him, uh, you know, why Miami could be the better place for him. So I think that there's a lot of recruiting implications here, just like specifically with, with the saint, I think a Florida state win, uh, would be huge for them too. So, um, you know, again, a decision is not very far away, maybe a few weeks, uh, maybe a little bit over two weeks with, uh, that Thanksgiving weekend sort of in mind. Um, I think that what happens on Saturday could be a big deal. And, you know, Miami coming out on top there would be huge. And then you've also written on the site um, about, you know, you, you've written about some transfer portal entries that Miami has shown some interest in already. We've touched on them. Syracuse tight end Landon Morris, uh, Clemson defensive back, uh, mainly a safety right? Joseph Charleston. And there's a new name to know um, that has entered the portal in the secondary. Tell us who he is and, and what the deal is with that. Yeah, that, that would be Alabama cornerback uh, Marcus Banks. He entered the transfer portal this week. It seems like there's going to be a lot of potential suitors, a lot of, I mean, one of our guys at 24-7 Sports tweeted out that there's a lot of elite programs sort of coming after him. I know Miami is one of those um, programs that have sort of expressed interest. I know that there's been contact there. Uh, I, again, this might be one of the, this is probably going to be potentially the highest ranked cornerback uh, in the transfer market. This could potentially be the top guy. So uh, there's going to be a lot of suitors there, but I absolutely believe that uh, Miami's, uh, well, I, I know Miami has initiated contact there. So, you know, sort of let the games begin, man. He has hinted that this is going to be an interesting transfer portal season. I mean, this is a big time name to fall. This is a guy from Houston. Um, believe there's some sort of relationship with Derek King, just sort of being from the the same area and stuff like that. And you know, Miami has had some success with with those Texas guys. I think that there's an interesting sell there if you're Miami, an interesting pitch that you sort of have. And uh, you know, we'll sort of see what happens there. But uh, I, that would definitely be a name to monitor. 
Yeah. So like you said, he, he's out of the Houston, Texas area. He's a six foot, about 185 pound corner uh, out of the high school level. He ranked as the 127th overall prospect in the country, according to the industry generated 24 seven sports composite. Um, not a guy that's played a ton of snaps at Alabama. He's in his career, his three-year career there. He's played 120 snaps. Uh, this year he played 74 snaps started the Mercer game randomly, but hasn't played much outside of that game. He's been targeted once in coverage during his college career and has not did not allow a reception and in fact had an interception on that target. So uh, small sample size, but I guess that's that's pretty encouraging that he shows some dynamic playmaking ability uh, when he had the opportunity. So you mentioned it, you know, transfer portal will be a big part of Miami's offseason strategy in terms of talent acquisition and uh, adding a guy like Marcus Banks would definitely be a boost to the cornerback position group. Um, anything else to touch on with recruiting that I've missed here, you feel like Gabby, or should we dive into this Miami Florida state game? Let's dive in, man. It's Florida state week. Okay. So I think we should start kind of with like injury talk for both sides or guys to look for in terms of their status. Um, you know, maybe an hour, 30 minutes before the game. Right. And let's start with Miami. And when we were out there Tuesday for the, uh, for the practice that we can see a little media viewing window of, of who's out there running around, et cetera, who's in a red non-contact Jersey. Um, two guys in particular, two notable guys were in red non-contact jerseys and both of them looked uh, like they were moving gingerly at times. I think it's fair to say, and they were James Williams, the excellent safety, uh, freshman safety, and Tyreek Stevenson, Miami's best cornerback on this season. Um, to me, Gabby, it, it you know it looked like both of them were dealing with shoulder injuries. Um, it looked like to me, James Williams, it was his left, Tyreek, it was his right, um, and I will say. James's shoulder deal looked more severe than Tyreek's. So um, I'll throw it to you first, right? And, and Manny Diaz was asked on Wednesday about their status uh, moving forward this week. And Manny brushed it off, said, yeah, that's just preventative stuff. They're, they're, they're good to go, right? So Gabby, are we buying this? Do you expect both those guys to play? Why or why not? Um, I'd probably buy Stevenson more than James Williams just because like, so for example, I mean, just during drills and stuff, like these guys are, you know, backpedaling, turning around and, you know, they're throwing them the football. Tyreek Stevenson was running through all that type of stuff, just kind of rotating his arm a little bit, but catching the football with James Williams, it was everything, but, they would not throw him the ball. I don't think they wanted to put any sort of strain on his, on his shoulder or his arm or whatever it was that he was dealing with. So um, Tyreek, you know, I could 
sort of buy that, you know, they're sort of being uh, cautious with him or just sort of maybe just sort of trying to limit him in terms of how much contact he sort of has to deal with leading up to this Florida State game. With James Williams, I'm a little bit more skeptical. Again, I thought that he was really sort of like dangling that arm a little bit, just right. really sort of just like, you know, you, you can tell he he's wasn't, feeling it. He wasn't even like, I think it's fair to say he wasn't even like lifting his hand yeah, above no. his shoulder, right? No. No, I don't think so. And I think that's probably a part of the reason why they weren't throwing in the ball because right. who knows if he could even, if he's even capable of doing that right now. Um, again, I think he probably played the I whole fourth quarter. Yeah, I think he, yeah, I think he plays because I think he played that fourth quarter with it because he left, he, he left the game in the third right. and then right. he came back and he played. So whatever it is, I, I, I'm assuming it was probably worse on Saturday, like when it happened than it was maybe that Tuesday. Um, leading up to this game again just sort of knowing the competitor James Williams is I can't imagine that he sort of accepts that he's not going to play in this game I think he's kind of he's gonna be one of those guys that sort of does what he can to make sure he sort of like you know straps on his helmet and that he's out there for this one so honestly I would expect both to play but I I would I'm a little bit more skeptical about James Williams I think yeah. he, I think Williams would probably be more limited if, if that James is the one to watch I, I agree I think he- I think I lean towards him playing for the reasons you said, right? I don't think he's going to miss this game. Um, and, you know, I think it's worth mentioning too, you know, in the previous podcast, I kind of, I didn't call him out, but I basically said, you know, he, he probably played his, his worst game in, in as a starter, right. In this starter role. And I think this situation probably explains a lot of that. Right. Um, James didn't really tackle well. And I, you know, it's of course going to be hard to tackle when you're dealing with a somewhat serious shoulder injury that you can still somewhat play through. Um, But again, I I do think he's going to play, let's say, and yeah, I I agree. I think Tyreek's going to play. He, in my opinion, he's kind of been playing banged up all season. Um, And his shoulder deal doesn't look, nearly as serious as James, the one that James is dealing with. But let's just say hypothetically, James doesn't suit up. What do you expect Miami's safety situation to look like? Yeah, I, I think it means a heavy dose of camera kitchens and, and Avante Williams. Uh, you know, when James Williams came off the field in that third quarter against Georgia Tech, I mean, that's, that's who we saw sort of fill in that role. Uh, again, I think Miami's still really excited about what Avante Williams brings and they've been using him extremely heavily in that third down package. You'd probably have to play a lot more on first and second down than maybe he's accustomed to at this point. He hasn't gotten a, a, an extremely heavy workload, you know, this year uh, coming off that, what it was it that six game suspension. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see how that sort of works out. Isaiah Dunson, a former Florida state commit uh, is another guy that Manny Diaz is sort of hyped up a little bit as uh, someone that he could play safety that could make that transition that maybe fits better at safety than he does at cornerback. So I could see him getting some burn. Uh, Keyshawn Washington, he's sort of sidelined, so can't imagine that he contributes in this one. Um, and I, I don't know, like, I guess if things got really, really tight, would we see Amari Carter move back there, like former safety? Maybe. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure what that exactly looks like, but... Uh, I guess if if they really really needed a body, uh, I'm assuming that that's probably a move that they would make. If if James is unable to play, do you think that impacts Miami more on first and second down, or do you think it impacts them more on third down? Because 
I really like this third down package. Yeah. With Avante and Cam as your deep safeties. James is that kind of rover, big bodied safety that yeah. plays in the box. I think James could be a weapon this week on third down passing situations as a guy who bothers Jordan Travis, FSU's athletic quarterback who can hurt you scrambling. Um, I think James could be a, a good option as a spy, uh, quite frankly, yeah. on Jordan Travis if he's able to go. So in my opinion, it'd be a big loss on third down if James – I mean, I think Avante can handle the safety stuff, you know, first, second, and third down. But missing that chess piece um, on third down that James Williams provides defensively, to me, would be a, a little bit of a blow in this game. You agree with that? I mean, 100%. I mean, just the ability to sort of drop him down and even use him as a blitzer or just use him in a multiple, like just the different ways that they sort of use him when they have Cam and Avante back there. I think you feel really sort of comfortable when you have Avante sort of, you know, keeping things, you know, sort of closed up over the top and you're able to sort of bring James Williams closer to the line of scrimmage. And again, he's such a freaky athlete that you can do, you can ask him to do a lot of things in those types of situations. And in a game like this, where Jordan Travis is going to be the guy moving around a lot, uh, you know, I, I can't think of a better guy than James Williams to sort of, you know, keep that in check, especially in those sort of, you know, passing situations uh, where, you know, Florida State's in a tight spot and James Williams could really make something happen. So, yeah, I mean, that third down package is is sort of been their bread and butter. And, you know, it's it's interesting. And just the type of athletes that they're able to put on the field at the same time right. is, uh, you know, is, is unique. Not a lot of teams can sort of do that. So, yeah, that third down package, uh, I, I would probably agree that third down is uh, is where you'd sort of miss him the most. So outside of that, I don't think Miami's really dealing with many injuries in terms of, you know, compared to what we've seen here the last few weeks. But to me, James Williams is something to keep monitoring here uh, during pregame and whatnot. So hope for the best there. Let's go to the flip side. Uh, Florida State injury talk. They kind of keep their injury situation buttoned up in Tallahassee. Uh, Mike Norvell doesn't really discuss it at all. Um, so the general public doesn't really know what's going on until, you know, pregame stuff is being reported. Uh, but we do know, right, that FSU had the flu bug last week, um, impacting a lot of their team, including quarterback Jordan Travis, who did not play in the game because he was not feeling well and, you know, just wasn't able to go through the preparations leading up to the game. So it was Mackenzie Milton against NC State. Uh, seems like he's put the flu bug behind him, Jordan Travis, and he is set to start this week against Miami. Um, so that's notable, uh, but expected, I think. To me, the, the thing that's worth keeping an eye on with FSU and injuries is the offensive line, um, specifically the interior. Uh, they got some veteran guys at guard that are a little bit banged up. Uh, Dylan Gibbons, who is a transfer from Notre Dame, um, he's been playing through some injuries, gutting it out, quite frankly. Um, and I think. My understanding is his status might be a little bit up in the air. We'll see if he, he'll be good to go. And then Devontae Love-Taylor, 
who is an FIU transfer, played at Florida State last year, uh, was was a big time addition to their offensive line last year. Um, hasn't quite played to that level this year um, because he had to have surgery in the off season. And the feeling is, I guess he's still kind of not totally back to who he was pre-surgery. Um, but seems like his status is maybe up in the air week to week, a week to week deal. Cause he's a little bit banged up too. Um, so if those guys aren't able to go both and, or one of them, it's a significant blow to an FSU offensive line where, you know, the starters quite frankly, aren't, aren't all that good, but the, the drop off to the backups is significant. And, uh, so if they have some injuries there on the offensive line, it's, uh, it's going to be problematic for FSU and it's going to be a, a big boost for Miami's defensive line. Um, I think it's also while we're talking FSU offensive line, Maurice, Maurice Smith, the center who is a Miami central product. He's been kind of bad, quite frankly, this year. Um, particularly in pass protection and also just straight up snapping the ball. So he's a guy to watch to the center um, in terms of poor, poor play. So, you know, one of the big reasons why Miami is on this winning streak against Florida state um, is because they have whipped FSU on the line of scrimmage um, from a, Miami defensive line versus FSU offensive line perspective. So we will see how that shakes out, you know, an hour or so before the game, what it's looking like. Um, but let's transition to what worries us about FSU, right? Because I do think, Gabby, it's worth pointing out they are a team that I think has improved from last year. Um, and they do. They do do some things that, uh, that are good, that are impressive on both sides of the ball. Some things that can give Miami issues, Miami trouble. Um, so I'll let you take the lead here. When you watch FSU this year, what worries you about them? Yeah, I mean, I'll go on the offensive side of the ball. It feels like they do one thing well on each side of the ball. I'll, I'll go to the offense and uh, just sort of highlight their running game. Um, just in general, they, they've sort of had been up and down all season. But, I mean, when they run it well, they, they're at their best. So Agreed. when, when run, rushing for over 100 yards, they're averaging 30, 33 points per game this season, 28.6 points per game if you take away the UMass game. Um, I believe that's happened five times this year. And, um, you know, you, you got, uh, Jay Sean Corbin, you got Trey Sean, well, whatever their name is, Corbin, you got Ward, uh, and right. Jordan Travis, sort of that three headed sort of monster that they used to run the ball. Not a lot of heavy passing. Uh, I think their top receiver has less than 300 yards receiving on the year. So not super, you know, impactful there, but they do run the ball, uh, extremely well. Um, one thing I'm looking at, I mean, just on the flip side, when they run the ball for under a hundred yards per game they're averaging 16 points per game and that they've done that three times this year wake forest they scored 14 points nc state they scored 14 points clemson they scored 20 points all those games were were under under 100 yard performance two of those 
just so happened to be their their last two games, which were NC State and Clemson. So, um, and to me, what's interesting there is, you know, NC State and Clemson are good against the run. They have yeah. good personnel, and they do a good job of stopping the run against anyone. Wake Forest, on the other hand, isn't a good defense this year. So, yeah. if I'm Miami, I'm kind of studying what did Wake Forest do to really limit them. Um, it could be honestly that I believe Mackenzie Milton started that game, um, at Wake Forest and, you know, a lot of FSU's run game, uh, it all starts with Jordan Travis, right? Just the threat of him in the zone read game, um, opens things up for Jay Sean Corbin and Trey Sean Ward. Um, so, you know, when you look at NC state too, right. That was Mackenzie Milton at quarterback. So defenses knew, yeah, we don't need to pay attention to Mackenzie in this in this run game. We can focus in on, on taking out their running backs in those run situations. So uh, having Jordan Travis this week definitely impacts the run game for FSU. No, for sure. And Jordan Travis again. That that's where it gets going and. They they do try to sort of get it going with with a couple of these other guys, and you know I think that's why that that's that's the key. And again, I I mean just sort of talking about it, it seems like James Williams could be a big part of that. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Miami sort of just sort of attacks that, or just sort of circles or dials in really on that rushing game. Because I mean, if I'm Miami, honestly, I'm just going straight man outside, maybe you know yes. Avante over the top or something like that. And I'm just like you are gonna have to beat me in, through the air, like. If, if Jordan Travis throws for three touchdowns and they win that game, I'm tipping my cap and, you know, whatever it is. But, I mean, I am selling out to stop the run every single time. And I will let Ontario Wilson beat me every day. I will let Andrew Parchment try and beat me every day. And then sort of let me ask you this. Can, yeah. So Miami's faced some good running backs this year, right? And I'm putting you on the spot. But, like, where would you say Corbin ranks in that group, right? Because obviously, you know, they Miami's face Kenneth Walker. Yeah. Uh, you know, the NC State backs are pretty good. Um, North Carolina's back is decent. Ty Chandler. Yeah. The Alabama backs, App State backs. I would probably put. I would probably put the Alabama back. Of course, Kenneth Walker. Yeah. The App State backs. Jameer Gibbs is up there for me. I'm a big Jameer fan. Gibbs. And then maybe Corbin's after those guys. I, yeah, I, I would, honestly I would, think Corbin's better than the NC State. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I feel like they're that's like a similar level. I think there's maybe a different style a little bit because I feel like the NC State guys might be a little bit like bigger type of bodies. But I feel like Corbin's sort of up there. I don't think he's he's not close to Kenneth Walker. I don't think he's as good as Jameer Gibbs. Um, I kind of like Cameron Peoples more than, yeah. than him. Uh, I definitely like the Alabama running backs more. Um yeah, I mean, he's definitely better than like Talapapa. I would yes. maybe like Ty Chandler esque, maybe. Yeah, I know Tyler Chandler just had a huge game against Wake Forest, but I mean, I'd go Corbin, I think. But yeah, he he's in that NC State UNC back. Yeah, category range, yeah. you know. Um, who you know? I mean, Miami did a solid job right, against, right? If I yeah, remember sure. correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to build on your point, right? I think. Yeah, the run game is what FS what makes FSU's offense go. But uh specifically 
to me, it's the explosive run game, right? Um, when I looked at their wins, uh, they did a really, and, and again, they won against Syracuse, North Carolina, and UMass. In those games, they did a really good job generating runs of at least 10 yards, 10 or more yards. So against Syracuse, they had eight runs of 10 or more yards. Against North Carolina, seven runs of 10 or more yards. Then UMass was ridiculous. I mean, UMass is like Miami Central Connecticut State game. Yeah, yeah. Against that's UMass. why I excluded it. That's why I excluded it from like my, like my rationale. Against UMass, they had sixteen uh, runs that went for at least ten yards. So, um, and, and on the flip side, right, Miami's defense, it's not it 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 does allow some explosive runs. Like yeah. when when running backs get to that second level, it's it doesn't go well for Miami. Um, you know, I feel like in the beginning of the season it was due to poor tackling. And in recent like this most recent game against Jameer Gibbs, it was kind of guys not fitting it up correct, in my opinion. Right. Um so and Jameer Gibbs Jameer Gibbs made a great cut on one of them on the 29 yard explosive touchdown. And the one by Jordan Mason was just bad fits, bad run fits. Um, but again, that was a 71 yard touchdown run. FSU certainly has the ability to pop those if Miami does not fit it up correctly. So, um, you know, from an FSU perspective, I would, I would expect the Seminoles to, work a lot of counters, work a lot of stretch runs, run, run, run principles that force Miami to fit it up and uh, see how that goes. So yeah, I agree. It starts with the run. That's what Miami has to deal with from a defensive perspective. Offensively, we're, you know, or in terms of, uh, in terms of, let me stick here too with the run defending the run. I think it also has to be addressed. Jordan Travis, the scrambler, right? Yeah. Um, and, and to me, that forces Miami to think about how they want to defend the game in general, right? Because I think generally Miami has been in man coverage for most of this season um, on the back end. And you know, that's good for defending RPO game. Uh, I think Miami's defensive backs are better in man coverage. Um, but on the flip side, when you're defending a guy like Jordan Travis, being in man coverage, he's going to see that all day long, hold on to the ball as long as he can when he drops back and he knows he can take off and scramble for a 15, 20-yard gain at any time because the defensive back's have their backs to the quarterback, right? Um, so to me, I think Miami needs to either approach, you know, if I'm Miami, I still play man coverage, but I kind of have a devoted quarterback spy, particularly on third down. I think on third down, if you're not quarterback spying Jordan Travis, that's malpractice. Um, I do wonder which player they devote to spy him. Um, but I either that or just play a little more zone coverage, which again, Miami's not good at. So I personally wouldn't do that, but 
Um, let me ask you this, Gabby, if you were, let's say third down, right? Third down, the third down package, it's third and eight. Who do you want in QB spy against Jordan Travis? I mean, you said it, man, if it's, if he's healthy, I want James Williams there. I just feel like he's, he's long enough. He's rangy enough. I feel like he's athletic enough um, to sort of be that type of guy. I feel like Corey Flagg's been tasked with that in the past. I'm not sure that I particularly love that. Um, So I might not want to see him, even though I feel like he, I mean, I feel like it might be ideal if your middle linebacker is the guy that could sort of do that. Um, But I mean, I could totally get on board with the James Williams. I could totally get on board, even with like a Keontre Smith. Someone's you got to be fast enough and you got to be instinctual uh, to sort of get to him and then be able to wrap him up. So um, I feel like Corey Flagg is too sort of roller coastery for me in terms of just like he's just I feel like you never really know what you're exactly what you're going to get from him um, any given Saturday. So just someone that that's led, that's athletic enough that's going to chase him down is going to sort of make the right reads and, and stuff like that. So I, I mean, again, that's why I think James Williams just natural talent alone is uh, is, is a good option for that. But um, I could definitely see it being like a Corey Flagg or even a Keontre. Right. I think. Amari Carter might be a fine option too. Um, And yeah, look, Jordan Travis is going to frustrate Miami's defense at various points of the game. He's going to scramble for first downs. It's what he does. Miami just can't let it get to the point where he's continually moving the chains via scrambles and, you know, putting points on the board because he is beating you with his scramble ability. Um, And I wrote this on the website, right? In the three games they've won this year, he has scrambled. This is, you know, not rushing yards straight up. This is like just straight up scramble yards. He's scrambling for about 40 yards per game. So, um, you know, I would think of that as like three to four first downs converted via scramble. So hopefully Miami can contain that somewhat. Um, on the flip side, right, what worries us about Florida State's defense, I think it's obviously just the defensive line, right? Um, we touched out on it in the previous podcast. They kind of make or break FSU's defense. Um, they are a good group. Uh, they have twitch. They have athleticism. Jermaine Johnson, arguably the best defensive lineman in the conference this year, the Georgia transfer. Um, Fabian Lovett is a plus athlete on the interior. He is a Mississippi state transfer from two years ago or last year, I guess. And Keir Thomas is a South Carolina transfer this year. So they, uh, they mask a lot of FSU's deficiencies in the back seven. Um, I will say this, right. And this might, this might come across as hot takey, but the analytics and the statistics back it up. Uh, Miami's offensive line from a pass protection standpoint has been playing at a high level uh, in recent weeks. Nope. Once ACC play has started, Miami's offensive line has done well in pass protection, run blocking, different conversation. But if we're, if we're talking pass pro Miami's offensive line is doing a good job. And if you look at it, of the teams FSU has faced so far this year, uh, Miami's offensive line is grading out as the second best offensive line FSU's defensive line or defense will have gone against this year. Only Wake Forest's offensive line 
grades out better than Miami's from a pass protection standpoint. Um, interestingly, you know, Miami's offensive line grades out as the 11th best in pass blocking in the country right now. Um, and, you know, FSU has played Notre Dame. They played Notre Dame to start yeah. the year. Notre Dame, uh, for comparison's sake, currently grades out as the 15th best in the country. So to me, this is an interesting matchup, right? And yes, if FSU does win this game, it's probably one of the reasons why is because the defensive line ate up Miami in uh, pass rush. But I, again, I think Miami's offensive line is, is a little bit slept on right now in terms of pass pro. Um, I think that's one of the big reasons why Tyler Van Dyke is having so much success lately. Um, so to me, it's a, it's a big time matchup to watch in this game. And, you know, I'm not predicting this, but I wouldn't be shocked if Miami wins that matchup. Just like, again, this might be putting you on the spot. Do you know like the, the inverse of that, like where FSU's defensive line sort of Ooh. ranks amongst the, their pass rush grade. Yeah. Just like in terms of just like defensive lines that Miami's offensive line has faced again, if you, I'm putting you on the spot. So if you don't have that right now, just, I, just sort of, I can't tell you that, but I can tell you like what their pass rush grade is. So their pass rush grade, it ranks 50th in the country right now. So, you know, I, I do astronomically high, right. I do think their pass rush is better than like 50th, right. To me, it's like a top 25 pass rush. Um, but the point I'm trying to make and Florida state's pass rush grade, just the number grades out slightly higher than Miami's pass protection grade. So, um, you know, I, I still think I would probably give the slight edge in that matchup to Florida State, but I don't think it's like this big. Yeah, it's not uh, lopsided. Lopsided thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I'm interested to see how that goes, man. Again, like it, they're pretty impressive. Just I watched the, the NC State game. I watched the Clemson game. I watched the North Carolina, the UNC game and they sort of get after it, man. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just kind of rattling it off. Like, I'm just, I'm, I don't know why it took me this long to sort of connect the dots. We got Jermaine Johnson, Kira Thomas, and Fabian Lovett. I mean, those are three SEC defensive linemen that they sort of have playing for Florida State. And it makes sense that that's where, obviously, yep. they've been playing their best football, just sort of going into the portal, grabbing guys from that conference that are sort of looking for some new scenery, pl plugging them in there, and then the, the play sort of elevated. I mean, it, it's... Uh, it, it definitely makes a lot, a lot more sense sort of, uh, looking at it that way. Yep. No doubt. So we will see. And, and look, Jermaine Johnson is a big time, big time player. Um, yeah. let's, uh, let's move on to the guy that needs to step up for Miami this week. I'll let you take that one first. Yeah. I don't know if this is going to be hot takey either. I'm, I'm going to, I don't even know how much I love this, but I just kind of just kind of came into my head. I'm going to go with Nessa Silvera, man. And uh, I'm kind of yeah. pointing to the fact that, you know, uh, I mean, again, the guard, Dylan Gibbons, Dante Love Taylor could, could both be either injured. Uh, again, who knows how healthy they are. I think that last game, he had a pretty good game against Georgia Tech. I thought Nessa Silvera was okay. I do feel like he's sort of like that, that rise to the occasion type of guy. I think he, like beating Florida State, like actually means a lot to him. 
And so I feel like he sort of plays his best in that game. He had a, he had a good game against Florida State last year. Um, you know, I'm sort of looking at this Silvera as a guy that could sort of step up and just sort of be sort of an issue in, for that interior uh, Florida State offensive line, especially, you know, you're talking about Marie Smith, who's just not doing a good job right now. Um, I'm interested to see how Nesta sort of plays in this one. He, I think he sort of made it clear this week that this is his last go around against Florida State, sort of indicating that he's going to test his luck in the NFL draft. So uh, I'm kind of looking at him and just sort of circling him and seeing like, you know, are, are you going to step up and and sort of be the guy in this game that uh, you potentially could be, that you've sort of showed you can be in the past. So kind of want to see a complete performance uh, from him. And I think he could create a lot of disruption up the middle. And I think that that can make things more difficult for, for Jordan Travis. I like that one. Nesta definitely always seems to bring it against Florida State. So uh, I think that's a good selection. Um, I'll, I'll stick on the line of scrimmage, go the offensive side. You know, to me, this is, and again, same kind of theme with the offensive line, you know, Zion Nelson, uh, this is a big week for him in terms of, I think you could argue the, the most interesting one-on-one matchup this week is going to be Zion Nelson against Jermaine Johnson. Uh, both those guys having pretty good seasons. Jermaine's having a better season on the whole but Zion is really picking it up here in ACC play. Um, Since Miami started ACC play in week five, Zion is graded out as the best pass blocker in the ACC. Um, And in ACC play, he has only allowed one sack and three quarterback hurries in this current three game winning streak. Nelson Zion has only allowed one quarterback pressure. So he is playing high, high, high level football right now. Um, I did not realize that if I'm being completely honest, I did not realize he was playing like that well, but that's right. That's what it is like for offensive linemen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. When, when you, you don't, don't notice, notice them, it's a good thing. Right. And honestly too, Jared is playing very well too yeah. during this, this ACC yeah. conference play. Um, so Miami's two tackles, I think you could argue so far right now, like the last four, what five weeks or so Miami has the, the best tackle pairing of any ACC team right now with, with Zion Nelson and, and Jared Williams, but those guys will be tested significantly this week against Florida state. Um, and, you know, look from an NFL draft perspective, this is a game, you know, where either Jermaine Johnson is going to make want, some money. Yeah. Yep. Who's going to make the money. Um, yeah. And I don't know if Zion is necessarily good enough to leave after this year. I'm not saying that. Um, but if he goes out and plays well against Jermaine Johnson, that's definitely going to be something he puts on his NFL draft tape. So uh, if he can neutralize Jermaine Johnson, that will be a good sign for the Miami passing attack getting going. Uh, potential player of the game, Gabby, who you got? I mean, I feel like I'm kind of cheating at this point. I mean, I'm going to go Charleston. I'm going to, I'm going to go Rambo, man. I think there that he's go. a, I think that he's a, I think he's sort of a guy on the outside. I think Florida state struggles with sort of number one type of dudes uh, in five of their seven matchups against power five teams. They've allowed either a hundred yard rusher or a hundred yard receiver fun stats. And uh, it would be six of seven, but NC State's wide receiver caught for 97 yards. So essentially in six of their seven games against power five opponents, either the running back or the wide receiver is going for hundred yards. I like Rambo um, uh, over a lot of the guys that have went for over hundred on Florida state this year. 
uh, maybe outside of like Josh Downs. So, you know, right. I, I'm looking at him to, to have a big day. Again, their defensive line. Uh, I could see Jalen Knighton having a big day too. Uh, we've seen, again, you wrote that those, the Tyler Van Dyke, Jalen Knighton, Charleston Rambo has been like the best trio in the country um, over the past few weeks. And, uh, you know, I could see, I could see it being a night and two, but I just look at Rambo right now and his ability to sort of create separation. And again, I don't think he's the perfect wide receiver. I think he still has a little case of, you know, the, or the, the potential to drop the ball and all those types of things, but his ability to, I, I just don't see Florida state being able to cover him, but I think they're going to have to do a lot to sort of limit him. And I think that would just mean opening things up for somebody else. So, which uh, brings me to my point. Go ahead. I'm going, I'm going with the rooster. Let's go. And I do think I do think Rambo can still have a big game. But if I'm Florida State, I'm trying my best. I'm doing whatever it takes to take Charleston out of the game, right? Will they be able to do it? I don't know. But if I'm FSU, I'm, I'm devoting bodies to doing that. And I think if they devote bodies to doing that, that opens up a lot of opportunities for the rooster, um, both in the run game and honestly, too, one thing. I hope to see this week is Miami use him a little more in the passing game because FSU's linebackers are very stiff in coverage, um, particularly DJ Lundy, their middle linebacker. If they can get, if they can, uh, you know, design some plays that get gets Knighton on Lundy or Lundy on Knighton, I guess uh, that's a win all day for Knighton. Um, their best coverage linebacker, probably Kalen Deloach. Um, but even him, you know, he's allowed 193 yards and two touchdowns in coverage this year as a linebacker. So um, I think Knighton will have an opportunity to run into some light boxes because defenses have to bracket Charleston Rambo. Um, and again, I think Rooster can, can make some plays in the passing game too so um rambo and rooster let's go uh keys to the game what do you got keys to the game i think it's really just i mean just limit jordan travis you know just try to force him make him one-dimensional um i'm not sure again he's gonna beat you on beat you through the air just really containing him in the i mean just really just not letting him to run run for a ton of yards i think holding a Florida state ball carrier to under a hundred yards is, is a key, um, you know, just really limiting that running game. Again, I think if you eliminate that, I'm not sure what they're going to be able to do offensively. I have, I, I mean, the receiver, the group of receivers that they have are just extremely unimpressive. I think the one, yeah, I think the one, I think I'm most intrigued by is Malik McLean, who's a true freshman. So, um, you know, those guys are always, you know, sort of up and down. Yeah. Again, I think he's a talented kid, but I mean, right now in this matchup, not super sold on him. So the key to the game to me is just really just finding a way to just limit their run game and just, you know, sort of just take that away. Cause I think you take that away and you know, you're going to put yourself in a really, really good spot. Yeah. I'm building on that point, you know, and, and you touch on this with your Nesta guy that needs to step up, right. To me, a big key is I think Miami's athletic defensive tackles, so that would be Jared Harrison Hunt. That would be Nesta. That would be Leonard Taylor, right? I think those three guys have a chance to win a lot of one-on-ones against FSU's interior because they are significantly more athletic than what FSU is going to be offering on the inside, of, you know, the, the line of scrimmage uh, positions there. 
Um, and, and that's been, again, that's been a big key during this four game winning streak. You know, last year it was Nesta who had a big game. Nesta also had a big game uh, in 2019. Greg Rousseau, remember they would, they would kick him inside. He had a huge game in 2019 against FSU. Um, Jared Willis was impactful in 2018. Kendrick Norton in 2017 with one of the greatest Miami Hurricanes gifts of all time. So that defensive tackle spot matters and it matters in this game. And I think uh, Miami has a significant advantage in terms of what they are offering at defensive tackle going against FSU's interior offensive line. Um, And no quarterback likes that pressure up the middle, right? And one thing I think worth noting, both Mackenzie Milton and Jordan Travis fumble a lot. Um, So if Miami gets a chance, they they each have five fumbles on the year. So combine 10 fumbles uh, between them. If Miami has a chance to, you know, punch it out or get their hands on the ball uh, while they are carrying it or attempting to pass it, um, I think those opportunities are there to force fumbles. My, so one of my keys to the game, it's just, it's basically just, I, I, I'm curious how the offense, I'm curious what FSU's defense approach is going to be in this game. Yeah. And how Miami has to adjust to it. Right. Because I do think FSU on the back end is much better in man coverage, which is what, which is the type of coverage you need to defend the RPO game, which Miami has cooking right now. Tyler Van Dyke is, is proving to be a very good RPO quarterback. Um, and I think in general, like in coverage, like with the corners and safeties and how they're connected, I think they're better in man coverage as well compared to zone. But I will say, you know, I think Miami, in terms of their outside receivers, would prefer to see man coverage because Charleston Rambo, in particular, is a man coverage beater. Um, so I, I am curious if, if FSU plays, continues to play primarily man coverage, or if they start to show a, a little more zone. And if they, if they show more zone this week, uh, that means Van Dyke has to continue to be effective working that little RPO slant game. Um, also reading when to hand off to Knighton in the RPO game. And if you remember last year, last year FSU may, played primarily a bend but don't break style of defense um, against Miami. And it was an epic fail. Um, you know, Miami scored what, on their first seven possessions of the game? What was it, 35-0 at half, 38-0, I forget. But it was a really bad showing. Uh, But FSU's defense is much improved from last year. So I am curious, because in my opinion, if I'm FSU, I do play kind of a bend-but-don't-break style of defense against Miami so that they don't hit those explosive pass plays to Rambo. I want to make this Miami offense work the ball methodically down the field. Um, But 
I wonder how much they think about last year's game. And I, I wonder if they think about how they're just a better defense in general when they play a bunch of man coverage. Um, so whatever strategy FSU decides to use this week, I am curious how Miami adjusts to it to find a rhythm. Um, what do you think? What If you were defending this Miami offense and you were FSU's defensive coordinator, what would you go with the, the man coverage style or would you, would you play that bend, but don't break style? I mean, I feel like I'd probably play a bend, but don't break. I feel like that's sort of like what, like what Michigan state sort of ran. I feel like that was helpful for them. Uh, I think Miami wasn't able to break off a lot of those explosive plays. Again, I think Michigan state's a way Agreed. better team than Florida state is. We um, can't really compare there, but you know, you saw how that sort of benefited and sort of, again, Tyler Van Dyke at the end of the day is still pretty young quarterback. Um, you know, he could be prone to mistakes, even though we haven't seen a whole ton of them over the past three games. Um, and again, uh, I mean, I definitely probably would it man up just because again, I think floor, I think Miami's personnel is just better um, than maybe when, than some of the guys that they've seen in the past. I mean, they've still had a couple of receivers just absolutely torch them, but you know, I, I mean, I would just, I would go bend, but don't break. And I would too. hope that, and it just also hope there's forces. no just like, mishaps on the back end too right that's the thing and, and they are they're better they're much better in terms of busts you know allowing busts than this year compared to last year but there's still some busty type moments yeah. um and i will say this w- when you do that bemba do break style you do force the offense to be efficient in the red zone which you know miami's fine in the red zone, but I wouldn't call them an efficient red zone offense where they get a lot of touchdowns down there. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what style of defense FSU comes to the game with and how Miami reacts to that. Let's go to some over unders um, that I've made up for this game. Jordan Travis over under 80 rushing yards. I'm going to go under. Me too. Yeah, I'm going to go under. How do you think he compares to like Jeff Sims? Because Miami did a good job of. That's kind of like, Sims. that's kind of like my thinking. Like, I feel like they did a good job with Jeff Sims. I, we were sort of talking about it in the Georgia Tech game. I feel like it was a good, it was like a good preparation game for Florida State. Like, it was a good game to play the week before you played Florida State. So I think having already seen Jeff Sims and now sort of just making that pivot to Jordan Travis, I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a positive that they're sort of playing two guys with similar style and back-to-back weeks. So, I mean, I think that, I mean, I don't really know. Like I will say this. I, I think Jeff does want to pass more than Jordan does. I think Jordan looks to run more and I think Jordan is more elusive, but like, in terms of like height, weight, speed, I do think Jeff is more impressive and Jeff yeah. can certainly reel off 50 yard runs just like Jordan can. So I do, I think, you know, they're both good runners. I would probably give the edge to Jordan cause he's just more elusive. Um, but it was encouraging at the same time that Miami kind of took away that Jeff Sims rushing potential last year last week yeah um here's one this isn't an over under it's just a pick a team yeah which team finishes the game with more sacks 
Miami. I think Miami. Because, I think Florida, because Florida State's I, I think Florida State's offensive line is just not good enough. And again, they're dealing agree. with injuries. The drop off, like you mentioned, is is significant. And I think that I think the gap between Miami's defensive line and Florida State's office offensive line is much wider than Florida State's defensive line and Miami's offensive line. So agreed. I think, you know, I agree. I, I picked Miami as well. And it's for those like I think FSU has the best group like FSU's defensive line if you're power ranking the four you know units FSU's you'd go FSU's D-line Miami's O-line Miami's D-line space 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 (laughs) FSU's O-line right exactly right over under one and a half explosive touchdowns for FSU I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go under, and I know I also took the under against Georgia Tech, and it was wrong in the first half there. But I'm again. I I'm hoping, uh, optimistic, I guess, that some of those mistakes that sort of led to those long Georgia Tech touchdowns are sort of corrected in, in this week with what I really believe is uh, is I think Florida State's rushing attack might be less explosive than Georgia Tech's because I think Jameer Gibbs is a big part of that or just the running backs in general. I think Georgia Tech Gibbs is better. Pretend- yeah. But FSU's FSU does have an explosive rushing attack. No, I believe it. But I, I, I understand I your point. Yeah. Um, and look, I think if 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 the answer is under, if, if that is what happens, I think Miami wins big. I'm going to go over. That's I could good. see two. You know, um, but I don't think it necessarily if they hit two, I think that's fine. I think Miami can still win the game uh, if it's, you know, because to me, FSU's offense, I don't know if they can put together long sustained drives yeah. to beat a team like that Miami. Was the same, that was the same deal with Georgia Tech, too. Right. I feel like. Right. All three of Georgia Tech's touchdowns came on explosive plays. Right. Yeah. Um and then they got an extra nine points from the defense. So which uh, I don't think, which I don't think Miami will give to Florida State. I certainly hope not, because if that happens, then yeah, FSU can win that game. Um, the the real betting thoughts, betting line thoughts. So Miami is a two and a half point favorite, and the over under is sixty one points. I'm taking Miami minus two and a half. Love it. I will sleep perfectly at night between at night between now and Saturday with that line sitting at two and a half. I think that's I think that's I think Miami wins. And that's the thing. Miami's like Miami hasn't won a game or lost a game like in ACC play by more or less than three points. So I get the line, but I mean I think that only that's only sustainable for so long. I think Miami comes out on top by more than three. The more I dig into this matchup, the more I like Miami. Um, so I agree. I think Miami can win by at least a field goal, right? Um, yeah, I agree. Over under, what do you think there? I've kind of gone back and forth. I've gone the over just because I, I went with the over just because like I feel like it's been it's hit more with Miami. Last week it was off by like half a point, so I feel like the brutal. over is just yeah, just absolutely brutal. But um, I just feel like what, what's the over under? It's 61. 61. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll go over there. Just, uh, I think Miami could put some points on the board and I think Florida state will score some too. 
I, I think I'll, I hesitate, but I think I'll go over. Yeah. Score predictions. I'm going to go 38-23 Miami. Uh, what is that? 15-point margin of victory. I don't know, man. I just, I, I'm just, I just got the feeling that yeah. Miami just sort of gets done. Um, you know, I don't think that this is the Florida state team that sort of turns this around, at least in this series. I do think Florida state's getting closer and I could see some of these future matchups being close, like, you know, closer than maybe this one might be, or the last few have been. But, um, I just don't think this, that this is a Florida state that team that does it. Um, Agreed. I, I, I just like Miami. I think that they sort of got it rolling on offense right now. Uh, I think even if Miami scores, you know, 31 points, I think that could be enough. I don't think Florida State's going to put up a ton of points on the board. Just sort of, I mean, just even watching like a similar opponent like NC State, like Florida State, like really struggled. They scored, they sh- probably should have had seven points in that game. They kicked an onside kick at halftime, got it, and then sort of drove down the field. I, it felt like a pretty fluky touchdown, um, just drive in general. So, I mean, NC State could the have variable easily held. there, though, is Jordan Travis, right? Yeah. So, yeah, to me that the interesting the interesting common opponent opponent is North Carolina. Um, yeah. Randomly, Mike Norvell owns Mac Brown. Yeah. I think that's a Sam. I think it's a Sam Howell thing. I don't know the lesser like a, team. Like, yeah, I don't know why that keeps happening. But credit to Mike Norvell. Credit to Florida State. They are they are Mac Brown's daddy. Um, yeah, I. I'm with you. So my 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 score prediction would be Miami 38, FSU 27. So I think on paper, Miami is a double-digit better team. What gives me pause is nothing. It's nothing tangible. It's nothing. It's 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 just the belief of I don't trust this team. I don't trust yeah. Manny Diaz teams. Yeah. You know, we've seen these movies before where Miami's clearly, you know, you could even, even though Georgia Tech was like that final score was fluky and that it didn't, it wasn't an indication of how Miami dominated the game. That, that does give me pause though for this Florida State game, right? Because Miami was clearly the better team against Georgia Tech and won by three points. Um I do think, you know, Florida State, what would you say? To me, Florida State is the third worst team Miami's faced this year. I think Central Connecticut State, the worst. Yeah. I think Florida State's better than Georgia Tech. I don't, I think it's close. That's what I don't but... know. I feel like, I feel like that's, I feel like I'm not, sh- I'm not like sold on that. I think, I don't know. I don't know what would happen in that game if, if those two played right now. Because I, I know Georgia Tech beat them bad last year. Right. Jeff, I think it's up Jeff for Simpsons debate as a, true, as a true freshman. I think it's up for debate, but I do think Florida State's slightly better. Even yeah. if they're not, right? Third worst. They're the third worst team yeah. Miami's faced, I think. Um, you know, FSU's offense is so one-dimensional and it's a running dimensional. So, like, is that really going to be able to take over the game? Is FSU's defense going to hold Miami. I think FSU's defense has to hold Miami to under 30 points. Yeah, which, they would have to. Which hasn't happened with Tyler Van Dyke, right? 
Uh, Miami's putting that up at like half, like and, and like. The well, I guess technically the Virginia game, right, was a twenty-eight yeah. pointer. Um, but since then they've they've been hitting thirty plus points every game. Um, and they've been coming out of the gate hot. Like what they did at Pitt was really really impressive. Like yes. If they come out if they come out swinging like that, like I feel like if Miami gets rolling the way that they've sort of gone rolling, like they go open up the game, score on the first drive, get the ball back you know, potentially like, you know, go back to back and like put 14 points on the board quickly. Like I think it could get, I think it could get bad. Like, I think if they have one of those first quarters like that, they've had um, without fumbling the ball, of course, uh, I'm not sure Florida State's gonna be able to bounce back and just be like, okay, like we're going to yeah. sort of stay in this game. Personnel wise, Miami to me has a big advantage. I do think Florida State's guys can coach though, you know, I do think they can game plan pretty well on offense. You, you, you trust uh, Adam Fuller on defense? No, yeah, not saying. Adam Fuller. I'm yeah, talking I Mike saying, I don't, Norvell. I don't, I don't buy that. <laughs> right. Not Mike, Mike Norvell. Norvell. Yeah, for sure. So, and yeah, like, look, I mean, it's hard to trust this Miami team because they are tackling better, again, to below average, to a below average level. Um, but who's to say the atrocious, putrid level doesn't bubble up again? Right. Yeah. Um, but again, score prediction 38 27, Miami. Big game tonight, too, Gabby. We're recording this on Thursday in terms yeah. of coastal division. Pittsburgh against North Carolina, 7 30 ESPN. If Miami's going to backdoor their way into this ACC championship game, they need North Carolina to win tonight. Yeah. What do you think? Can they pull it off? I don't know. North Carolina is like six and a half point dogs coming yep. off that win over Wake Forest. Yep. Who knows, man? Who knows? Who would you pick? Um, I'd probably go. I'd probably go Pitt, but yeah. I mean, I think North Carolina's got a shot, right? If they I think get they got hot. a shot, yeah. That's the thing. If North Carolina gets hot, I feel like you know they can beat anyone in like really anyone in the ACC because they can put up points with anybody. Right. Like they can they can go off for fifty, uh, and you know any given any given night, any given afternoon. So again, I don't really know who North Carolina is. Like, I don't know which team they are. <laughs> like, I know right. they've been so up and down, but again, when they come out to play, I mean, they're extremely, extremely explosive. So it should be an interesting one. Definitely a great quarterback battle at the very least. Sam Howell yes. and uh, Kenny Pickett. That's just going to be a fun one to watch. I can't wait to get back home from the Miami Central playoff game and tune into that one and just lock in on that. And like you said, it's, it's Sam Howell's second quarterback duel right in a yeah. row sam hartman row. impressive comeback victory against wake forest so like you said they're never out of the game with their offense but anyways uh we will cover everything surrounding the miami florida state game on inside the u.com thanks again to all you veterans uh you know making that unselfish decision in your lives to serve this country and uh, appreciate all you guys listening. Uh, our numbers are, are awesome here on the podcast. We appreciate your support. And until uh, next time, we hate FSU. Go Canes. Take care.